You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today's episode is being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com, tell them Locked On sent you. Today is Thursday, August 26th, and this, my friends, is episode number 100 of Locked On Zags. And truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, I do appreciate all of you guys for listening more than you'll ever, ever know. We are now 75 days away from the start of college basketball season, and we're back to finding random ways to incorporate these countdown numbers. Today, the number 75 is the team free throw percentage for the 2004 and 2007 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Only four Gonzaga teams have ever finished with a team free throw percentage above 75%, with the 2006 team being the best of the Mark Few era at 78%. But those 2004 and 2007 Zags were both right at 75% for the season. In 2004, six Gonzaga players shot at least 50 free throws during that season. All six of them shot above 70% from the line. Blake Stepp, Corey Violet, Roni Turioff, Adam Morrison, Sean Mallon, and Earl Knight. They're 75% as a team ranked 12th in the country that year in 2004. And then in 2007, that's 75%, ranked 19th in the country. And it was thanks in large part to Derek Rivio's senior year where he went 148 for 154 from the free throw line, helping Gonzaga get to that 75% as a team. So there you have it, the number 75. Come back tomorrow, find out what the number 74 has in store for us as we continue our countdown to another Gonzaga basketball season. All right, today on the show, we are looking back on the 2018 Gonzaga Bulldogs, who were possibly one Killian Tilly injury away from making the Final Four in back-to-back seasons. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Esther Little, a true freshman from England who looks to have an incredibly bright future for head coach Lisa Fortier. Before we get to that, a quick update on fall sports because tonight is going to be a busy night in the soccer world. Gonzaga women taking on Purdue at Purdue. The women are 2-0, as we've mentioned before. They beat Eastern Washington at home last week, and then they went on the road and beat Georgia on the road uh, on Sunday morning, and now they get to take on another Power 5 school at Purdue. That game is at 4 o'clock this afternoon. You can be seen online on the Big Ten Plus streaming network. Gonzaga women's soccer looking to go 3-0 with two of those wins coming on the road at Power 5 schools. Gonzaga men's soccer team kicks off their regular season tonight. They had two exhibition games last week and they went 1-1, beat the College of Idaho, lost to Western Washington, and now they open up their regular season. First official game that counts tonight, 7 o'clock Pacific time in Spokane on Luger Field, and they'll be hosting UNLV. Gonzaga men Picked to finish last this season in the WCC, and they are looking to prove a lot of people wrong on that prediction. They open their season tonight at 7 o'clock. The game could be seen on the WCC network. And then Gonzaga women's volleyball. Yesterday on Wednesday, the WCC preseason polls finally came out, and Gonzaga is picked to finish 7th 
in the 10-team WCC. Alyssa Hughes was named to the preseason All-West Coast Conference. Gonzaga has a retooled roster, but they have a lot of experienced players on this roster coming into this season. Alyssa Hughes is one of them. Kennedy Croft, who also was on the All-WCC team last year, is another one. We mentioned this when we talked about the volleyball team last week, but McKenna Marshall is coming in from San Francisco, and she was on the All-WCC team as well. So they've got three All-WCC performers, and then they bring in two graduate transfers who have played a lot of college volleyball. So they've got some talent on this team, and it would not be surprising to see that talent uh, jump into the top half of the WCC as opposed to finishing seventh, which is what they're predicted to do by the WCC coaches. And then one other thing I wanted to talk about back on the basketball front is Jonathan Gavoni over at ESPN released his big board for the 2022 NBA draft. I believe this is the first one that he has released. And he has got four different Gonzaga players on it. Chet Holmgren in at number one. Nolan Hickman in at number 22. Drew Timmy at 44. Andrew Nemhard at 51. No listing of Hunter Salas anywhere on here or Anton Watson for that matter. But Drew, uh, uh, Chet Holmgren, I should say, at number one. Nolan Hickman at 22. And then both Drew Timmy and Andrew Nemhard in that second round area. Inside the top 30 are six different players that Gonzaga is going to face this season. In at number two is Paulo Bancaro, who's going to Duke. A.J. Griffin, also at Duke, is in at number eight. Peyton Watson, who Gonzaga actually recruited, who's now going to UCLA, is in at number nine. Alabama's point guard, J.D. Davison, in at number 11. Jaime Hawkes, who you remember from UCLA, in at number 28. And then Mark Williams, the big man over at Duke in at number 30. So six different top 30 players that Gonzaga is going to face in the non-conference season. Gonzaga is the only school with four different players ranked in the top 100 on Jonathan Gavoni's big board. The only school in America, not Duke, not Kansas, not even Memphis with Imani Bates, Tennessee, UCLA, whoever. It's Gonzaga, the only one with four ranked players in the top 100. And it's not even just the top 100. Andrew Nemhard is the worst in number 51. That's how far Gonzaga has gone uh, as a program here in the year 2021. Pretty crazy. All right, that's all I want to talk about with the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2018 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Killian Tilly breaks out as a sophomore. Zach Norvell bursts onto the scene. And Rui Hachimura makes his presence known. Before we get there, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com So Gonzaga makes the national championship for the first time in school history in 2017, and obviously they lose a lot of talent off that team. Nigel Williams-Goss is gone, Shemek Karnowski, Jordan Matthews have graduated, and Zach Collins is off to the NBA. But they still return 
half of their rotation players. Jonathan Williams, still in the starting lineup. Josh Perkins, still in the starting lineup. Silas Melson moves into the starting lineup. And Killian Tilly moves from basically the eighth man into the starting role. So still, they have four of their eight rotation players from a season ago. That's some pretty good experience. And then they get Zach Norvell coming off of his redshirt year. Zach Norvell had some injuries with his knee as a freshman. They decided to redshirt him. And so he's in as a redshirt freshman now. Rui Hachimura takes a huge leap as year two of his three-year plan uh, is put into place. And then Corey Kispert comes in as a freshman, and he starts the first seven games of the season. And we've talked about this before in this program, but Corey Kispert was playing really, really well in those first seven games. And then he turns his ankle, misses a couple games. Zach Norvell is into the starting lineup for the rest of the year. Corey Kispert plays a bench role the rest of the season and isn't really the same player, doesn't have that same explosiveness. And that was unfortunate because they really needed Corey Kispert, especially at the end of the season when they faced Florida State. But a lot happened between game number seven and game number 37. So let's talk about all of it. Gonzaga starts the season ranked number 18. And for a team that's returning half of their rotation players from a national championship appearance, it feels like number 18 was a little bit disrespectful. You know what was more disrespectful? The fact that St. Mary's was the unanimous pick to win the WCC from the WCC coaches. They got nine out of the 10 first place votes. Obviously, Randy Bennett voted for Gonzaga. So Gonzaga has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to start the season. They start the year 4-0, and they are playing in the PK-80 in Portland in the second round of that into the semifinals after they thrashed Ohio State. They get to play Florida, and Florida at the time was ranked number seven, and this was the double overtime classic in one of probably the top three, maybe five regular season games, probably top three regular season games uh, of the Mark Few era. Just an unbelievably high-level basketball game and some incredible shot-making from Jalen Hudson on Florida, who scored 35 points, and he hit eight threes, eight for 12 from deep for Jalen Hudson. Chris Chioza, four or five from deep. He had 10 assists, 8 rebounds, and 26 points. And then Gonzaga, Jonathan Williams III. One of the best regular season games really in Gonzaga history. 39 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks. He was 16 for 22 from the floor. 15 of 19 inside the arc. And an absolutely incredible performance from Jonathan Williams. But for some people, unfortunately, this game is remembered for Silas Melson's three different attempts to win the game uh, at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime. At the end of regulation, he had a mid-range jumper that was contested from the free throw line, could not knock it down. At the end of overtime, Gonzaga is down by two points in just a chaotic, chaotic end of overtime. Gonzaga was down by a point. Uh, I believe it was Jonathan Williams hit a layup with about 15 seconds left to put them back up by one. Florida comes back down the floor. Kayvon Allen, I think it was, uh, hit an and one with about seven seconds left. Hits the free throw. Florida goes up by two. Gonzaga comes back down the court. Silas Melson drives to the rim with a second remaining. Hits the bucket and the foul. He's at the free throw line in a tie game with a chance to win it for Gonzaga. And he misses the free throw. Florida gets the rebound and travels as they get the rebound. So Gonzaga's got one more shot on a sideline out of bounds to win the game. And they get the ball to Silas Melson, and he misses a three-point shot. Gonzaga ends up losing the game in double overtime, 111-105. to Silas Melson shot four for 16 from the field that night. But the game 
was all about Jonathan Williams and Jalen Hudson. And really, it was Jalen Hudson who stole the show at the end. Eight for 12 from deep. Florida beats Gonzaga in the semifinals. And it was unfortunate because Gonzaga would have played Duke in the championship of that PK-80. Instead, they were going to face Texas in the third place game of the PK-80. And they went up 15 points in that game. Looked like they would run away from Texas. And then Texas had a wild second half comeback to uh, send the game to overtime. It looked like Gonzaga had lost all momentum, but they rallied and won in overtime 76-61. to Rui Hachimura, this was one of the first big games of Rui Hachimura's career. Coming off the bench, he had 20 points and 9 rebounds for Gonzaga. Josh Perkins with 16 points and 7 assists. Gonzaga comes back home the next week and they face Creighton at home, a ranked Creighton team. This ranked Creighton team is actually the last ranked opponent non-conference to play at the McCarthy Athletic Center. So when Texas comes in on the first Saturday of this coming season, they will be the first ranked opponent to play at the McCarthy Athletic Center that's not in the WCC since December 1st, 2017, nearly four years. 25th ranked Creighton, 15th ranked Gonzaga. Creighton goes up at halftime by seven points. And then the second half, Zach Norvell. The first edition of the microwave shows up. He scores 20 points in the second half. Gonzaga gets 22 from Tilly, 21 from Norvell, 21 from Silas Melson, and they come back and beat Creighton with a 54-point second half. Gonzaga wins 91-74. to So at that point, they're 7-1, and and they get to travel to Madison Square Garden as the number 12 team in the country to take on number 4, Villanova. Of course, Villanova goes on to win the national championship this year by blasting pretty much everybody in the NCAA tournament, and they beat up Gonzaga pretty good in this game. They're up double digits at halftime. They never left their foot off the, the gas. 88-72 to was the final score. Michael Bridges with 28 points for Villanova. Gonzaga turns the ball over 19 times. Zach Norvell had 22 points to try to keep Gonzaga in it. Jonathan Williams, Rui Hachimura, they combined for only 32 minutes in this game because of foul trouble, which means Jakob Larson had to play 24 minutes in this game, a career high in minutes for Jakob Larson, and he actually played fairly well. He had 10 points and five rebounds in the loss. So Gonzaga moves to 7-2. They rebound by beating UW by 30 at UW in a true road game. And then the first game after finals at home in a fairly dead McCarthy Athletic Center, and that's the North Dakota game, the Geno Crandall game. North Dakota comes in, and to be quite honest, they probably should have won this game, uh, but they couldn't make the the plays down the stretch. Gonzaga somehow comes back and beats North Dakota in overtime, 89-83, but this was the Geno Crandall game, 28 points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals for North Dakota. Four and six, North Dakota almost comes in and beats Gonzaga. One week later, their offensive struggles were too much to overcome against San Diego State on the road. A really ugly first half in this game. It was 25-23 to at halftime. And Gonzaga never really was able to turn it on. Josh Perkins turned the ball over six times in that game. Killian Tilly held to just seven points and four turnovers. As a team, Gonzaga turns the ball over 16 times. San Diego State turns it over just eight times which was enough to beat Gonzaga 72-70 to in a game that came really down to free throws uh, at the end of that thing. So Gonzaga enters the WCC with a 10-3 record. And like I said, they were picked to finish second in the WCC behind St. Mary's. And St. Mary's, for their part, they made that prediction look good in the first game between these two teams. St. Mary's 
and Gonzaga met up on January 18th. Gonzaga was ranked 13th in the country at the time. St. Mary's, for whatever reason, even though they were 17-2, and was still unranked. They were not unranked after this game. Jock Landale, 12 of 15 from the field. He scored 26 points, including the game icing layup on a isolation lob play with about 20 seconds to go. 26 points and 12 rebounds for Jock Landale. St. Mary's goes 8 for 13 from deep, including a pair of threes from Tanner Krebs, Calvin Hermanson, and Jordan Ford. Woo, those are some names right there. Gonzaga gets 23 points off the bench from Rui Hachimura. Rui Hachimura was a problem for St. Mary's. We'll talk about that again uh, in their next two matchups, but they absolutely had no shot of guarding Rui Hachimura. So St. Mary's comes back. They win their first matchup. Gonzaga does not lose again the rest of the season. They rattle off 14 straight victories, including beating St. Mary's at St. Mary's a month later. Gonzaga ranked 12th in the country. St. Mary's ranked 11th in the country. It's the biggest WCC game on a national stage pretty much in conference history. And I was actually at this game in a packed, stuffy, hot McKeon Pavilion in Moraga. And again, it was Rui Hachimura. They could not guard him ever. 21 points on 9 of 13 shooting. Jonathan Williams had 12 points on 6 of 13 shooting, added 11 rebounds, and they held Jock Landale to 4 points in this game. The first game they played Jock Landale, they basically played him straight up. And if you remember, their adjustment in this game, the second time they played, was to double him every single time he touched the ball and double him from different directions every single time, fluster him, force him to make passes, and he did not do very well. Four points. He only shot the ball four times. That was it. They held Jock Landale. I'm going to guess that that was a season low for points for Jock Landale. Two for four from the field. They held St. Mary's as a team to 41% shooting and five for 20 from deep. So Gonzaga gets the big win that they're looking for, 78-65 to 65 in Moraga. St. Mary's would back that up with a loss in their next game at San Francisco, which gives Gonzaga the WCC championship at 17-1. A team that was picked to finish second in the league shows everybody that they are still the kings of the mountain. Win the WCC at 17-1, and then St. Mary's loses to BYU in the semifinals of the WCC tournament, and they miss the NCAA tournament altogether. It was a completely wrong decision by the selection committee, but still, for a team that was ranked 11th in the country in February and was ranked in the top 25 in the final AP poll of the season to miss the tournament altogether because they lost in the WCC semifinals and had an atrocious loss early in their season to Washington State, not a good look for St. Mary's. Gonzaga's WCC tournament, of course, was highlighted by the one and only Killian Tilly. Killian Tilly hits 12 straight threes. He goes 5-for-5 against LMU. He goes 5-for-5 against San Francisco. And then 3-for-4 against BYU in the WCC Championship game. 13-for-14 from beyond the arc. He averages 24 points and 5 rebounds, shooting 78% from the field in the WCC tournament. Named the WCC tournament most outstanding player. An incredible three-game run for Killian Tilly. Gonzaga wins the WCC Championship once again. And they enter the tournament as a number four seed and winners of 14 straight games. 
And if you look at their bracket, they get Ohio State as their five seed, who they had already faced and beaten by 30 points. And then as their number one seed, Xavier, the same Xavier team that they beat in the Elite Eight the prior year, turns around and has a fantastic 2018 season, gets the number one seed in the West region. In the first round of the tournament, a pesky 13 seed in UNC Greensboro really played Gonzaga extremely tough and with one or two other bounces probably wins this game. But Gonzaga gets a huge, huge shot from Josh Perkins to put them up by a point and then the dagger three from Zach Norvell. Uh, as Zach Norvell was two for 11 before that shot, but it's Zach Norvell and you know he never lacked confidence. Hits the big shot to give Gonzaga the first round win, 68 to 64, over UNC Greensboro. And then he hits another huge shot from the exact same spot two days later to beat Ohio State in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga was up 15 early on in this game. Ohio State fights back with a huge second half, 51 points in the second half for Ohio State. Kata Bates Diop, 28 points on 10 of 21 shooting for the Buckeyes. But it was Zach Norvell and it was Rui Hachimura who led the way for Gonzaga and did not let them lose. Zach Norvell, 6 for 11 from beyond the arc. He had 28 points and 12 rebounds. A career-high 12 rebounds for Zach Norvell. And then Rui Hachimura off the bench played 25 minutes and scored 25 points. He also had 5 rebounds and 4 blocks in that game. Josh Perkins also played very well. 10 points, 8 assists, just 2 turnovers. For Josh Perkins, Gonzaga beats Ohio State 90-84 to for their 16th straight victory. Gonzaga is rolling. And then Xavier, the number one seed, loses in the second round. They get upset by Florida State, which means Gonzaga gets a number nine seed in the Sweet 16. And it looks like they've got a chance to get back to the Final Four for back-to-back seasons. And then Killian Tilly gets injured two days before that game. He goes down with a hip injury in practice. Nobody knew about it until basically tip-off. He just wasn't in the starting lineup. Nobody knew anything. And then uh, there was a report that came out basically on the air as the game was happening that that Tilly was hurt. He had a hip injury, wasn't going to play in the game. And it seemed like from a fan base perspective and from the team itself, just all of the air went out of their sails. Florida State goes up early in this game, but then Gonzaga fought back. And that middle 10-minute stretch in the first half, Gonzaga comes back, makes it a one-possession game. And then that last two to three minutes of the first half is when it kind of all fell apart. They had a chance to go into halftime, maybe in a one-possession game, maybe a tie game, maybe even have the lead. But instead, a horrible, horrible final Two to three minute stretch. Florida State goes up by nine at halftime and Gonzaga never really makes a run in the second half. They're held to just 60 points. They shoot 34% from the field, five of 20 from deep. They turn the ball over 12 times. Zach Norvell goes four for 16 from the field. Silas Melson goes three for 11. Jonathan Williams goes three for seven. Just not an efficient scoring night. The depth and the size of Florida State gets to a shorthanded Gonzaga team who had to play Jakob Larson probably more minutes than it wanted because of Killian Tilly's injury. So an incredibly unfortunate ending to a season that looked like it had a better fate for it. They had won 16 straight games. They were rolling. They had the draw break in their favor for the second straight year. And to be honest, I think a healthy Gonzaga team 
probably beats that Michigan team that went to the national championship um, in the Elite Eight. Uh, it wasn't a great high-scoring offensive Michigan team. It was a great defensive team, but I think that would have been a great battle. And Killian Tilly was really, really playing well, and obviously his injury at the end of that season was incredibly unfortunate. This Gonzaga team, the first Gonzaga team ever to have five different players average at least 11 points a game. Jonathan Williams, 13.4. Zach Norvell at 12.5. Killian Tilly had 12.9. Josh Perkins at 12.3. Rui Hachimura had 11.5. Then Silas Melson almost made a sixth player in double figures. He had 9.5 points. Corey Kisper is a freshman, 6.5 points. It was really a seven-man rotation for most of the year. Jeremy Jones, Jakob Larson played sparingly. Jesse Wade played basically end-of-the-bench minutes uh, in that season, in his only season at Gonzaga. Jonathan Williams III, he is one of just three players in the Mark Few era to average 13 points, eight rebounds, and one block per game. The other two, Brandon Clark, Roni Turioff. Pretty good company to be in for Jonathan Williams in his senior season. Okay, that is enough for today's look back. Coming up, we're talking about Esther Little, an incredibly versatile freshman coming in from England who many people probably don't know about. But I think there's a chance that she can become a huge cog in the Gonzaga machine as early as next season. Before we talk about her, I want to talk about Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including Online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now, both at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football, basketball, and boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts use promo codes locked on and NFL 100. All right, so for those who don't know, the Gonzaga women have a four person freshman recruiting class coming in this season. One of them is five star freshman Bree Salenbein, who we talked about uh, about two weeks or so ago. The other three freshmen are lesser known commodities for various reasons. And one of those freshmen is Esther Little, who we're going to talk about right now, a six foot two versatile wing-forward hybrid coming in from England. This past year, she won the U19 Player of the Year Award in the WNBL, the National Basketball League, in England. She's won multiple national cups. She set a record for most rebounds in a tournament. And two years ago, she averaged an eye-popping stat line. Listen to this. 15.5 points, 19.5 rebounds. Are you kidding me? Now she's going to make the move to Spokane, along with her boyfriend, Ethan Price, who is actually playing over at Eastern Washington and is a really, really good player for the Eagles. At Gonzaga, I would think her path to playing time is to be a monster on the glass and on the defensive end. She may be the best rebounder on the team as soon as she steps foot on campus. I just told you about her insane rebounding stats. She's also got really good length to play both inside 
and outside, which is going to make her an incredibly versatile defender. She's six foot two, which normally means that she's going to be a forward, but she's got really, really good ball handling skills and plays more like a slashing wing than she does as a back to the basket big. If you watch her offensive highlights on the internet, they are really impressive in terms of showing off her versatility. But I think she's going to make her name known by being relentless on the glass. Gonzaga could have the three best rebounders in the WCC all on their roster in Melody Kempton, Yvonne Ejim, and Esther Little. The problem is that I don't know where Little fits into the rotation. Does she fill in minutes on the wing along with Bree Salenbein? Can she be an energizer bunny forward off the bench? I'm not sure yet. But what I do know is that Little has a very, very bright future in this program. And Gonzaga, it looks like, is starting to recruit these extremely versatile wing forward hybrids who can kind of play all over the floor and do a lot of different things. And it's going to make these teams incredibly, incredibly dynamic over the next few seasons. And Esther Little is going to be a big part of that. And that is going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow for another Gonzaga Five Star Friday to look back at a five-star team, the 2019 Gonzaga Bulldogs, Josh Perkins' senior year, the Rui Hachimura show, the Brandon Clark block party, the Duke game. It's a season to remember and a team that probably deserved a better fate in the end. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Chet Holmgren. It is Five Star Friday, so we're saving the best five-star for last. The final scholarship player on the men's side to talk about is Gonzaga's resident unicorn, and we will discuss him tomorrow on the show. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody, enjoy your Thursday. We will see you back here for another Gonzaga Five Star Friday tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.